Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. I am Keith Irizarry in for Scott Farrell as we are rolling along here on a Thanksgiving Week had some fun in hour number one, a lot of NBA talk as we were shot Phillips on breaking all things down with the NBA draft and dove into all things NFL as well. And as we always do, top of the second hour, bring on Mafia updates us on all things boxing and MMA and Mafia. I, I got to start with with Mike Tyson and with Roy Jones Jr. because the new rules, they are confirmed. What are they? They are ridiculous. They are a waste of time. That's what they are, because apparently they're making this, you know, just full on exhibition. This is no winner, no judging, no 10-9 scoring system. I even know uh, last week they were talking to Dana White about it after the UFC, uh, the UFC 255, where they're like, you know, they, they can't really go for knockdowns. If anybody gets cut up too bad, they're automatically ending it. Uh, it's eight rounds of two minutes each, 12-ounce gloves, so that obviously, you know, provides more protection. It's just completely, you know, a mediocre sparring session of old guys. This is no longer a fight. And if you're going to ask people 50 bucks a pop to pay for this, I know it's supposed to be for charity and stuff, but who's going to pay 50 bucks to have a fight where you can't go for the knockout and no one wins? There's a reason people in the U.S. haven't really completely caught on to soccer. There's a reason the NHL put shootouts in at the end of overtime because people don't want to see ties. People want a winner, and they're not going to give us one in this fight. So could we go further with that? So you're not allowed to even try to knock the person out? That's what it sounds like. It sounds like you can't go like full power, try to take the guy out. It sounds like it's kind of, you know, pull your punches a little bit and make it more of just a, you know, fun little thing for us to watch. But that's one thing if you're going to put it on and put in some other event or, you know, something free for us to check out. It's another thing when you can do that and charge 50 bucks a person to watch it. No one's going to buy it then. Except that, all right, so I, I know it was a movie, but we saw this in Rocky where it was uh, an exhibition that ended up turning a, li a little realer. I, my gut tells me, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I don't think Mike Tyson, even though he's, what, 52, 53 years old, whatever he is right now, I don't know if he can turn this thing off in the top of his head, and I feel like he'll still try to knock out Roy Jones. It wouldn't surprise me if he did it, and maybe they will. I don't know what exactly the... You know, there, there's some kind of penalties or something if they do that. But, you know, it seems like if they do that, if he tries to go all out and he tries to really finish Roy Jones at any point in this fight, they're just going to end it right there and they're going to protect Roy Jones, which I get to a degree. These guys aren't professionals He's at this point in their lives. These guys aren't in shape. They're not, you know, peak physical, you know, form. They've taken enough beatings over the years. The last thing you want to do is have them, you know, be screwed up for the rest of their lives from this stupid exhibition fight. But it just seems like more and more, you know, they don't have to wear headgear. But it seems like I wouldn't be surprised if both these guys come out in it, too. And then you're, you're looking at it and you're saying, what is this? All right, let's get to some real stuff. Uh, what's going on with Jan and Sterling? Well, Jan revealed that, uh, you know, the reason he pulled out, because we know that he pulled out for personal reasons. And that's why they rushed 
uh, Figueredo back in the cage for you know his defense in 21 days against Moreno. We were talking about that yesterday. Apparently, the reason Jan is out is because of visa issues, and that you know it took too long for it to happen. You know, he went on social media, posted about it, that there were issues with the visa. We don't know exactly what it was or when they got you know worked out. But he had to fly out of the country to go take care of it and fly back. And being that he is now the champion, and this is important, this is his first tile defense. You know, he didn't want to come in there and have his camp screwed up and have you know things off, you know, thrown off for him and his, his preparation for the fight. So he said, you know what? Like, give me a little more time now. That this is sorted out. Let me properly prepare for this. And that's what he's going to do. That he's going to wait like a month, month and a half here, and then going to have the title defense beginning of next year. He didn't want to take the chance of you know getting this belt finally and then losing it because of him just not being ready from flying back and forth to work out his visa. Yeah, I and mean, I guess it's probably the smartest move. We welcome in our radio audiences. I am Keith Irizarry in for Scott Farrell, coast to coast, breaking all things down, boxing and MMA right now with our guy Mafia Carver High Tide. They're both here as well. Cody Garbrandt, uh, let's discuss this major complications from COVID. Yeah, apparently we didn't even know he had COVID. We knew that he pulled out of the fight against Figueredo because of an injury to, I believe, was his bicep. So that's what we had heard, that it was an injury. He had to recover from that. Apparently before he even got the injury, in August, he was diagnosed with COVID. And it wasn't just a situation where, you know, he got it, he, he got through it, and he moved on and got back to training like some other fighters or athletes have done. It seems like he had, you know, lingering things with his heart, with the, you know, the smell, with all these you know, things that we hear about, these dangerous complications of this virus, that he had a lot of them. And that's been, you know, the reason why it's taken him a little longer than most people would have expected from his injury. That's why he pulled out of the fight, you know, and adding into it. And that's why it's going to take a couple months to get him back in there. He's hoping to be back in there in the first couple months of next year, but still, you know, it was a situation where he got injured. It's just not like, okay, I'm, he I'm healed. I'm going to come right back. That he's still dealing, dealing with lingering issues from COVID that he had back in August. Yeah, this is such a, this is why this virus is so scary because we hear about the cloudiness that, mm -hmm. that athletes are dealing with and people in general. And we deal, obviously we hear about the heart issues that are people are having as well. Uh, Daniel Cormier and uh, Jones, uh, Daniel Jones, once again in the news, why? Well, because Jones always has to run his mouth with everybody and what, everything going on. You know, the whole thing with Khabib uh, Nurmagomedov, you know, obviously one retired. People were talking about him being the GOAT, and Jones is saying, no, he's not. I am. You know, because if anyone does anything good, John Jones has to tweet and get in involved and, you know, talk about how terrible they are and how great he is. And one of the things that, you know, him and Cormier have had their thing back and forth. And, you know, Jones kind of tried to shut up Cormier because Cormier was teammates with Nurmagomedov, so stood up for him. And he's like, oh, forget you. You know, I, I beat you. Who are you to talk? And, you know, acting like, well, yeah, Cormier is saying you beat me, but you got tested positive right afterwards. You know, you got your belt stripped. You got things taken away from you because you got tested positive. And Jones trying to act like, oh, no, I got away. You know, I got clear to that. And Cormier is saying, no, you didn't. You threw other people under the bus. And that's why they took away your punishment. You were never cleared. You're a cheater. You cheated against me. And so he's never going to let that go. I don't think I would let it go either. You did it. No, you did it. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. They're going to hit each other to the grave. man. Yep. All right. Great stuff, Moff. We'll talk again tomorrow. Continue rolling along coast to coast. I'm Peter Rizzo. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All fired up as we have broken down NBA, NFL, and let's dive into the college football landscape. We've been getting the college football rankings, the first edition of it tonight, around 8.30 p.m. Eastern time or so. Uh, we'll get the first of the top 25 rankings. We go 12 seasons in. I was reading some of the quotes from Bill Hancock, the executive director of the playoff. Uh, he, he's going to speak right afterwards. The most robust conversation we all have is face-to-face, he told Paul Feinbaum last week. Our meeting runs seven to eight hours on Monday and three to four more hours on Tuesday. Anyone who has done a Zoom meeting knows it's fine for an hour, but not a 12-hour meeting. Why, Carver High, do I bring this up? We have all gotten so comfortable in this world with Zoom or or you know Google Meet or, or FaceTime, whatever, platform it is that you are using to be able to speak. We're using a platform right now to be able to speak to each other and speak to the world. Uh, The playoff committee decided that since the players and the teams can play against each other on fields, they can have 12 hours of meetings with a 13 committee uh, member board. I guess you could say meeting in person before we get into what they're going to discuss, because there's actually real stuff. All right. Like, this is dumb. This is so stupid for them to say that. Like, again, I don't want to grandstand, but like, how dumb would you have to be to say, it's a really important meeting. We need to be in person. The whole world has important meetings. Come on. Right. Uh, Calm down a little bit here. Everybody, like you say, throughout the world, throughout the country has important meetings. It is what it is. Uh, I'm just, I'm glad to hear that they're talking for 12 hours a day. Uh, because I'm of the belief, Keith, that half of these people, they don't watch all the games. So uh, right. it's good to know that they can sit in there for 12 hours and the half of the people that don't watch the games can get brought up to speed by the half that actually do. And then they can form their opinions that way because uh, I got big problems every year with this panel, Keith. I can't stand it. <laughs> and, and we'll throw up a, we'll throw up a graphic about what we expect to happen and, uh, from Jerry Palm of CBS. I'm with you, man. It, I feel like every year – they make mistake and mistake and blunder and blunder. So what we have on the TV side of things for you guys, the college football playoff rankings, as Jerry Palm of CBS sees it with Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson as your top four, Texas A&M and Florida at five and six. Then you got Northwestern, Cincinnati, Miami, and Indiana remains inside the top 10 despite losing this week. Uh, tough loss for them to Ohio State. Uh, some of the unbeaten. So let's just run through it. teams that are outside of probably where they're going to be there. Marshall, Coastal Carolina, BYU, and Cincinnati. We saw their name there. Um, I think BYU and Cincinnati, 
if things break correctly for them, Carver, I guess they have an opportunity to be considered, especially in the, the oddity of the world of the pandemic. But I do not see a non-Power 5 team getting into the this, this college football playoff. Do you? I don't see it at all. Uh, we talked about this yesterday, Keith. I'm down on BYU for what they did a, a couple of days ago by declining to play Washington next week. That would have showed me something with BYU. And this is going to be interesting tonight. If this real college football playoff poll is like the one that Jerry Baum uh, is suggesting it might be, and BYU isn't even in the top 10, Keith, that solidifies even more that the committee feels the same way guys like me do, that they do not belong anywhere near it. When I see teams like Miami that have lost the game, Indiana, et cetera, ahead of them, that shows they probably are not going to belong there, and I hope they get nowhere near it after what they did with Washington. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but this is this is why the, there's flaws to the system. It, it, on one hand, it yes. doesn't necessarily help out the the little guy, I guess you could say. On the other hand, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess people pay to see the the higher upper echelon teams. There's, on, there's only one way you're going to get the little guy in, Keith. There's only one way you're going to do it, and that's by having a eight or a 12, yes. or a 16-team playoff where you designate that the little guy gets an automatic spot into the field. Because as long as you're going to do systems like this, they are never going to have a shot. Because there's no way you could tell me that undefeated BYU with who they've played, or even Cincinnati, who I think is a very good team, is better than a one-loss potentially Clemson, or a one-loss Florida, or a one... There's just no way you could tell me that they're better than those teams. I would like to see them get a chance on the field, but unfortunately, in the system we have now, they don't get it. Yeah, I think at some point, we'll get the eight-team uh, playoff scenario. Obviously, you mentioned 16. That's what FCS does. It's worked for them for years. Uh, the conversations about, well, other teams going to lose money and not playing bowl games. I I've said this on other networks that I've worked for, and I'll say it again right here. You can still play those extra bowl games when a team is six in a normal season, when a team is six and five or, or seven and four and didn't make it into that field of 16. It doesn't matter. They can still play in the Acme whatever bowl or whatever it is and still make money. It's almost like being the NIT or the CIT or the CBI, CBI or whatever it is in, in college hoops. And then you can actually get the winner be, you know, We'll figure it out. I think the other conversation that's going to have to be had is the fact that Texas A&M beat Florida earlier this year, but Florida is probably the hottest team in America, uh, you know, save for the top three teams in America. And you've got Kyle Trask, who is absolute blowing up. I mean, if you look at the numbers, and I did this this morning, his numbers are on par with every single passing statistic of Joe Burrow last year. And as per FanDuel, Kyle Trask is now the odds-on leader in the clubhouse for the Heisman. Mac Jones is uh, right behind him with Tr Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence has really dipped down. Zach Wilson kind of fallen by the wayside as well. Justin Fields, I think those three interceptions this past week definitely hurt him. Mac Jones, the fact that his team keeps winning and he's playing really well. I like Kyle Trask. Um, I think it's going to take a, a marquee win for him to win this. I mean, if he beats Alabama Carver High, he's your he's your Heisman then, right? Oh, absolutely. He wins that game. He is going to get the trophy. There's no question about that. And the Florida-Texas A&M thing is going to be interesting because they did beat them. They will stay ahead of them until that Florida-Alabama game, unless Texas A&M loses, of course. The interesting thing to me, Keith, about that Heisman, you mentioned it with Trevor Lawrence, before the Notre Dame game, or even before that game against BC where he was out, the first one with COVID, 
He was minus money as a favorite to win the Heisman, and you can get him now at 16-1. to 1. He didn't get done any favors last week when they didn't play the game against Florida State. He just isn't going to have enough games now, Keith. Missing two with COVID, now losing another one with FSU. Unfortunately for Lawrence, he might go into the NFL without that Heisman Trophy, Keith. I look at that 16 to 1 and I wonder if it's worth putting some money on it though because hey, Kyle Trevor like, stumbles a little bit, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Speaking of Trevor Lawrence, the fact that it's a Clemson team that lost to your Notre Dame squad and and lost without Trevor Lawrence on the field. I'm intrigued to see how the committee plays that one out because there's been the rumblings that they will take that into consideration uh, tonight when they are placing Clemson wherever they are in the rankings. No, they, they absolutely are going to take that into consideration. Uh, I think that they'll still have Clemson in the top four. I think they'll be the fourth-ranked team. And, and the committee's also going to consider, Keith, that they're going to play again. Like, uh, unless one of them lose or something crazy happens, Notre Dame and Clemson are going to have a round two in the ACC title game in North Carolina. So I think that that's going to play into keeping them both in the top four until they absolutely don't have to on December 19th. And I look at Trevor Lawrence, too, and I know this deviates a little bit from the playoff conversation, but a Heisman is nice, and yes, you want to win a Heisman. When I look at Trevor Lawrence, this is all about making sure for him that he stays healthy. I think he wants to win another championship, and if a Heisman comes along, great. Um, I don't believe he's going to be viewed lesser in his college career. Obviously, this time period we live in right now, the, the pandemic that we are in right now, we're all going to remember, even, you know, years from now, we're all going to remember how this went down. I don't I don't think we're going to think of Trevor Lawrence in, in a lesser vein. No, no, but but he was just such a, a heavy favorite to get that trophy this year. That's why it's in this crazy season, like you say, for him to now, you know, basically miss a bunch of games, his fault, not his fault, and he's not going to get it when, let's be fair, is he the best player in college football? Is he? Like, I still uh, think he is. I He's the best. Think so I, I, I think he is, and, and and that's who that trophy's supposed to go to. But because he's not going to play enough games, he's not going to get it. If I were drafting number one in the NFL, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence, whether I have a quarterback or not. Justin Fields is a little bit behind him. I think Justin Fields is going to be an excellent NFL QB. I think Trask and Mac Jones have potential as well. Kyle Wilson also. But Trevor Lawrence is the creme de la creme. Obviously, tomorrow we'll break down all things college football playoff rankings. we got a lot more coming up. Keep it locked right here. I am Keith Irizarry. This is Coast to Coast. And bad beats. I figured he'd be jumping up and down, yelling, screaming, pounding his fist. Where's the good old LeVar Ball? Well, you know, you're saving it for your dopey TV show. Is that it? Come on, brother. You're better than that. The Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. 
we can laugh, man. We we going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, we are rocking and rolling here coast to coast. I am Keith Irizarry in for Scott Farrell all week long, a Thanksgiving week and ready to have some fun and eat a lot of food. I uh, did a bunch of NBA in our number one. Want to do some more NBA, bring on one of the best in the biz. He's fantastic at what he does. Ryan Hollins played for 10 years in the NBA, co-host of the Opinionated Seven Footers. You can catch him on CBS, so many other platforms as well on Twitter. It is the Ryan Hollins. Happy Thanksgiving, bro. How are you? What's up? What's going on, brother? How you been, man? I'm good. I'm good. How's everything with you? All good with the family? Yeah, man. Hey, I didn't know. I didn't know you could see me during the break, man. I, I was just copying <laughs> you guys a little bit, man. I didn't know you could see. I thought I could see you, but you couldn't see me. Keith. I didn't. I didn't know. This is great. All right, so for our radio audience, let me explain, and even for our TV audience, so our system, when Ryan connects, I can see him sitting there. I knew everything he was doing. I saw him playing with his phone at one point while I was talking, and then when Cam, our guy Cam Stewart, doing the update, you were, like, dancing and getting into it, and I texted him, I see you, knucklehead. Stuff, All right, let, let's get into Los Angeles basketball because you were a part of the Clippers organization for a while. Um, as a broadcaster, you're out in that neck of the woods. You see what the Lakers are doing right now with all the players they added. How much better are the Lakers this year than they even were last year? Oh, my God. Just just, just give LeBron the trophy. You know, you know, last year's Lakers squad was very defensive-oriented. Uh, they're going to hurt, honestly, not having Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee uh, I, I know that Montrez is is a complete, complete upgrade. Eighteen points and ten rebounds, but uh, defensively, that enforcer role still needs to be filled. So you know, losing Dwight Howard for the mid level exception of Philadelphia, Javale McGee in trade, but you add a former defensive MVP and Mark Gasol, so they're gonna miss some shot blocking, but on the offensive end of the floor, LeBron has weapons now. Last year's Laker team was absolutely pedestrian on the offensive end of the floor. And defensively, they were able to just grind out and, and win games and save LeBron's legs. But you got Dennis Schroeder pushing the ball on the break, Anthony Davis running for live, and LeBron James looking to just pass and facilitate until needed. So uh, the Lakers are odds on favorites, it, it, and it's not even close. I, I mean, I think the Clippers are going to be competitive, you know, but without Montrez, what, what are they going to have? They're still missing on the insides. Uh, on the East Coast, I haven't seen any big splashes, and we still have yet to see what the Nets are going to become. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think the Lakers are clearly the odds-on favor. I'm going to talk about that a little bit uh, later in the program as well. You know, you look at the Lakers, too, and I, I thought that this has been an issue for the Lakers at times is, is when LeBron goes out for, you know, three or four minutes uh, of a stretch besides Anthony Davis, who was going to score. And you just mentioned it there. I, I feel like they can have him sit out a little bit more and actually even save his legs for the playoffs. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what Dennis Schroeder brings to the table. You know, Dennis Schroeder wasn't, I, I wouldn't call him quite a closer, but he's in that Lou Williams role where he could be your starter. He could be a close, uh, you know, he can play big minutes in the fourth, you know, decent compliment, not scared. And the one thing we were really missing without Avery Bradley in the bubble was a defender to crawl up into those small pesky guards. We're talking about the Hardens, the Steph Currys, 
You know, Dennis Schroeder is an excellent irritant and wing defender. So uh, he brings a dynamic element that they don't have. Now, they're going to be missing the veteran leadership of Rajon Rondo. But the biggest concern for this Lakers squad, Keith, and hear me when I say it, they had to have some firepower starting the season. You know, with this quick and early start coming around Christmas Day, I think starting on the 22nd, and I'm sure guys are starting to trickle in uh, within the next couple weeks. You know, the Lakers were kind of like, hey, man, I, I, this is soon for us. You know, our, our superstar is 36 years old, man. How's he going to get through? So uh, Dennis Schroeder and Trez, those are huge, huge additions where they're going to bring the energy early. LeBron James can rest. Pass the ball around, play less minutes, you know, his idea of load management, and, and you know, they're going to be cruising. Ryan, I look at the Golden State Warriors, and it's a what could have been with Klay Thompson going out with the Achilles. I think they're still a playoff team. I think they're still excellent. What's the sentiment amongst the NBA fraternity and, and guys like you with Klay Thompson going out? First and foremost, this is just unfortunate for the sports world, not even the basketball world, because Klay Thompson brings so much to the table. Uh, that was a team you're talking about contending for a championship, you know, if healthy. And then you absolutely give it to them if somehow they pulled off and trade for Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think the even trade talks or ideas are next. It's not going to make any sense. Um, but, you know, Clay going down, um, man, I, I can't even start to say how it feels, you know, for Clay because he's a guy who fought back, missed all the last season. All he's ever known is basketball. And then he goes down again. So uh, th this is tough. And, you know, the irony, another Achilles situation in Golden State, you know, what are they going to have to do to fix it? And unfortunately, you see this a lot too, Keith. You know, trainers get fired over that. You know, if you're not doing your job, these guys get hurt. Unfortunately, these, these are freak accidents, but someone gets to blame. You know, as well as anyone, quick twitch muscles are huge when it comes to playing on the hardwood, playing in the NBA. I don't want to be doom and gloom, but are there going to be question marks about what Clay Thompson is going forward when he returns? Of course. You know, the one thing Clay has always been known for was uh, his ability to not just shoot the basketball, but defend. Defensively, he's going to guard the other team's best player. He'd guard whoever the lead guard was, and Curry would go and hide and play off of the basketball. So now, you know, you're kind of like, hey, you, you know, who's this Clay Thompson going to be coming back in the lineup? Now you're intrigued to see. Uh, so, uh, sitting back and, and, and assessing the situation, man, uh, he's not going to be the same. He's going to be able to shoot. You know, his hands aren't broke. He didn't forget how to shoot the basketball. But as far as the defense, that's what made them really, really special and championship worthy. Uh, I mean, Clay Thompson goes from a, a first or second option to a third or fourth, uh, you know, I would say. So he's going to need some help. And, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to take a haircut. Uh, on that paycheck just so that, you know, the Golden State Warriors maybe can acquire more talent and get in play for a championship down the line. So uh, we're intrigued to see how this is going to play out for, for Clay. But, I mean, this is this is as bad as it gets, man. This is the worst part of sports, honestly, Keith. Yeah, we hate it. He is Ryan Hollins joining me, Keith Irizarry, on Coast to Coast. Uh, you said intrigued to see how it plays out. Let's go to Houston then. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Apparently, they both want out of Houston. How will this one play out, dude? Keith, is the gift that keeps on giving, baby. Come on, man. <laughs> Hart wants out. Tillman Fertitta. You got China somewhere looming in the background. This is all that in the bag of chips, man. We, we talk about the NBA drama, man. That's what it's about. Uh, listen, James Harden, it, they're going to do everything they can to keep him. They're going to try to ask for the house. If you trade a, a super megastar in the name of James Harden, Westbrook's going to be a little more easy to trade. There's disgruntled stars all around the league. Who knows where Westbrook 
uh, may end up, even though his value is arguably as low as it's ever been in his entire career. Uh, but I believe there's a chance he could be traded. They talk about swapping Wall for Westbrook, and that's confusing to me because they're very, very similar players. I think that's just a change of scenery. Uh, but, but James Harden, I'm looking at James Harden, and, and I'm like, where can he go? You know, I hear rumblings of Philadelphia. Uh, I hear ideas. Obviously, he wants to go over to the Nets, and I think you know, one of the coolest things we could see is if he goes to the Nets and you become a super team. Super team. You got three superstars with a bunch of question marks around them seeing if they can make it happen. And not to say that Kyrie or, or KD don't have rings or jewelry, but can they do it in the leadership role? That's where the questions have been. And if you get hard in the mix, uh, I, I know it makes good for the, 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 for the soap opera in the NBA. Keep, you know how that goes, baby. It's it's a reality show. That's what it would end up being, and I love it. But all right, so let's say for argument's sake, the the Rockets, you know, do move on from Harden. You said they're going to ask for the house, and let's say for argument's sake, it was Brooklyn because that's the team he desires. You and I were texting about this, and uh, let's bring it to the air. What does Brooklyn have that could lure? Like, what what would make Brooklyn the favorite to get James Harden? Not just because Harden wants to be there. Uh. Uh, what's my what's my young fella's name, man? Why, 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 Harris, Harris Levert, Enter Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, uh, Jared Allen. Karis Levert. And then what, two first? In the bubble? <laughs> in the bubble? He was excellent. He showed you that he had the potential to, to be a lead guard. Uh, similar to Devontae Graham, how he came on the scene in Charlotte and, you know, should have been the uh, most improved player in the NBA. That's what is attractive, okay, about what the Nets have, so that they can make a trade and make moves. You know, I remember one time uh, we were in the we were in the uh, in the pregame, you know, in the back before the game, and I kid you not, I can't make this up. Larry Brown comes over to us and he goes, "Hey guys, play really, really well tonight, so that I can trade all of you." Kid you not, true story, what? true story. I appreciate the honesty, you know. They played well in the bubble. Now they're trade assets, man. Look, look. <laughs> Keith, That's the best story I've Keith, ever heard. Keith, Keith. Larry Brown took care of us, though. I went to Dallas. Adam Morrison and uh, and Shannon Brown went to the Lakers with Kobe and got a ring. Uh, Jason Richardson and Dudley go to, to the Suns, bro. And then with Steve Nash's Suns, like, so everybody went somewhere cool, but, like, it was wild. I was like, yo, what the... I, I don't know how to feel, but, like, it was so honest from him. Keith can't make it up, bro. I love that. Uh, before I let you go, I gotta dive into hey, these hey, uh, Phoenix well Suns. Yeah. So we can trade you. Yeah, come well. on, do man. Well so no. You. No, I don't, I don't want to be traded hard, right now. So I'm happy. You, I'm happy. I'm going to work hard, give 110%. Uh, it's going to give, give my all. Chris Paul has been traded. He's a part of the, the Phoenix Suns. How do, you, how do you like that vibe with him and Devin Booker? smell the playoffs you know the playoffs will be good for phoenix they've been struggling for a very long time since nash's sons that we've talked about uh chris paul if he can stay healthy and duplicate the same performance as the playoff team you know and even the chance to go out and compete because there were no like that was a good group in okc but there were no stars there were no stars yeah. you know what i'm saying no disrespect to those guys mm -hmm. over there they were a really good team but no there were no stars Devin booker is the closest thing, remember I said this skill set wise to Kobe Bryant, you know, no disrespect to Kobe Bryant, or we're not putting, you know, Devin Booker on that, but uh, as a two guard who can hit you with a one two bounce and score off the dribble, he's clutch, he's, he's got, he's cocky, he's got an attitude, you know, so now you, you get Chris Paul, you know, Ryan, Ryan, we're up against the gun. Okay.
We're up against the gun. I gotta run. Oh. We'll catch you up soon. Happy Thanksgiving, bro. Hey, though, appreciate you, brother. Talk soon, man. My man. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Twenty minutes left in the program. I am Keith Irizarry, coast to coast, in for Scott Farrell. Carver High is here. You got Moth, you got Ty. We are all hanging out and having some fun today. Uh, coming off that interview right there with Ryan Hollins, good stuff. Uh, we'll be putting that up, and you'll be able to check out the replay of that one. It got me thinking. I want I want to kind of break down these NBA teams a little bit more because Ryan said it, and and the way that I view the LA Lakers are that they are the kings of the West, and I think they're the kings of the NBA. And this is not solely because they won last year; it's because of their rotation. I mean, you look at this team, and I ask you, who is going to compete with them when you add Montrez Harrell, Marcus Gasol, you bring back Markeith Morris, uh, you add Dennis Schroeder, you bring back Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Now, yes, I believe they will miss Dwight Howard at times. They will miss JaVale McGee at times. But I think this team is clear. Wes Matthews on this team now, too. And you see the Lakers are the odds-on favorite. Clippers a little bit behind them. Nuggets at 9-1. to one, Mavs at 10-1. to one. I like the Mavericks. We'll get into them a little bit. Warriors at 12-1. to one. I'm shocked they're still there at 12-1. to one. Jazz are intriguing, have no depth. We'll dive into them. And then a, a whole bunch of other teams on that list. All right, so let's go through each team. And Carver High, you can tell me, yay or nay, a threat in the Western Conference to the LA Lakers. So the Lakers... Nine or 10 deep they go, and they still have LeBron James. They still have Anthony Davis. I think that team is, is clearly the favorite, barring any crazy uh, injuries. Let's talk about the L.A. Clippers. Kawhi, Paul George, Sturgey Baca added now. Lou Will, you got Pat Bev, you got Zubac, you got Marcus Morris, added Luke Kennard, Reggie Jackson. How do you view the L.A. Clippers? I still view them as the top potential team that could beat the Lakers. Now, we all did not get to see it uh, in the bubble. Uh, Denver took it from us. or sh- You know, listen, the Clippers didn't play well enough to get to that spot. But uh, Denver, of course, knocking them off. Uh, everybody for, what was it, seven months, Keith? You know, even beyond before uh, everything getting shut down, everyone wanted Lakers, Clippers, seven-game series, Western Conference Final, whatever it was going to be. And we didn't get to see it yet. So... Even though they're not as good, in a seven-game series, you give me Kawhi, he's got a chance to beat anybody. We saw it two years ago when he carried Toronto to a title. I think the Clippers, and then it kind of the cliff kind of goes down from there, Keith. I mean, after the Clippers, I don't know if anybody's taking down the Lakers, and I'm not even sure if the Clippers could do it either. Yeah, I'm with you. The thing about the Clippers I like is the fact that you have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and assuming that Kawhi will not be, uh, you know, tasting, taking load management and rest days and wow. assuming that Paul George and Kawhi can actually build some more chemistry with the, I know you, yeah, I know it's, it's not believable. I get it. <laughs> um, but hopefully. Uh, all right. So the next team on my list is the Dallas Mavericks. And I look at them because of Luka Doncic and the fact that he is, 
quickly emerging as one of the five best players maybe in the NBA. Really exciting, killer instinct, fights through injuries, can do a little bit of everything. He's a walking triple-double. Kristaps Porzingis, they're going to slow play him, which I think is good, get him 100% healthy. And then they just have a good collection of players. Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Richardson now, you know, Finney Smith, Jalen Brunson. They're good, but we'll go further with them. They're not really a threat though, right? They are not a threat uh, to beat the Lakers. No, I don't think they're a threat at all. I think they're they're another piece away, like a really good piece. Like they need they need two things. They need Porzingis to actually be healthy, which is a 50-50 coin flip uh, as it is when you get to the playoffs. And then they need a third piece that uh, can really you know be another option. Doncic is unbelievable. You've already seen him towards the top of the MVP boards, you know he's going to be right there as one of the best players in the league. But I can't trust Porzingis, and they don't have that other guy. Like, guys you brought up, like Tim Hardaway, like, yeah, whatever. Like, he's not a serious option. Like, I need serious guys, Keith. To win in the, MV- in the NBA, you know it. You need a lot of options, high-quality options, and uh, the Mavericks just don't have enough beyond Doncic. The Nuggets are cool. I thought the Nuggets were a really fun story last year. If you tell me, here, here, here's, if you say Jamal Murray is going to be a top 10 player in the NBA, I'm not saying that I'm saying this. If you say to me that Jamal Murray, top 10, lead guard, dynamo. If you say Nikola Jokic, going to be even better next year. And then if you tell me that Paul Millsap can play like he played eight years ago, and that Gary Harris and guys like Monty Morris can be like little parts of a team that can help, then I believe you that the Nuggets can be a threat. But I view the Nuggets kind of the way I viewed Portland last year. They were a fun story from the season before that got a little lucky with some of the matchups. And then, you know, Cinderella, it was midnight, and that was all you could say for them in the Western Conference Finals. No, I'm with you. And for me, the Nuggets, like it was a fun story. But let's also remember this, and I kind of put the Nuggets and the Heat in each conference in the same category here. Were they a product of the bubble? What happened? When they're down 3-1 to the Jazz, do you think that in a normal situation, they're going into Salt Lake City and uh, and finishing that series off? Do you think that down 3-1 to the Clippers, they're going into the Staples Center and they're finding ways to win games there and you know getting back in that series and finishing it off? I'm not sure. Same thing I feel about the Heat. We'll talk about them in the East where I don't know if they would have won those games in Milwaukee and Boston to get to the NBA Finals. So great run. It was fun with the Nuggets. I like their guys. I love Jamal Murray, but I don't know if they would have pulled that off in a normal year, Keith. Uh, The Warriors, no Klay Thompson. I honestly think that curtails any championship aspirations for them. Steph Curry on the floor, and if he's healthy, they're going to win a lot of games. He is all-world, you know, two-time MVP, future first ballot Hall of Famer. Draymond Green is the perfect, like, plug-and-play guy and fits a role for them. Andrew Wiggins needs to be a fourth option on a team. On this one, unfortunately, he may actually be the number two scoring option. I don't like that. Kelly Oubre, he's a guy. He is just a guy. And and then James Wiseman, he's fun. If I go through the rest of the teams, the Jazz, I I, I don't like their depth. And the Blazers are fun. I think they've had a pretty good offseason getting Ennis Cantor back, bringing back Mello, adding Robert Covington, but none of those three teams, to me, uh, can hold a candle to the LA Lakers. None of them can hold a candle to the Lakers. I think the Blazers are better. I think the Blazers did improve with the Covington trade. Um, For the Warriors, I'm sad, Keith. Like I was so on board 
for the Warriors Revenge Tour this year. You know, after what everybody being injured last year, I was ready for Steph and Clay and this new like mix of guys to come together. Draymond being a little more focused, I that would have been my team. I would have said there was a chance for the Lakers to go down in the West, but now sadly, I don't think that Steph's going to be able to do it and shoulder that extra load with Clay not there. But I think Portland's a little better, and the Warriors obviously they're going to they're going to be a playoff team this year. They were not with all the injuries last year. Carver High, let's go to the East. And I think it's up for grabs, but I still think it's the Bucks that it's kind of their conference to lose. And I know that Giannis at times has come up small in the postseason, but this is a better team now. Bucks are the, you know, odds on favorite, although the Nets are really close. Celtics are pretty close. Heat aren't that far behind as well. And then you got the Raptors, uh, the Sixers, all at better than 10 to 1 odds, according to FanDuel. But to look at the Bucks. And Drew Holiday, I think, is a, a sneaky addition. The mainstream NBA fan or mainstream sports fan maybe doesn't realize how good Holiday is. He can play defense. He can facilitate the offense. Middleton is really good. Giannis, we know, is a stud. And the rest of the team is just plain solid. All right, so if they are the favorites, let's go through the teams that you know have a chance to supersede them a little bit. We'll go to the Brooklyn Nets first. It's going to have to be a situation where Kyrie and Kevin Durant play nice together. Can they do that for a full year? And then we heard Ryan Holland talk about Karis Levert. Levert blew up in the, in the bubble. I think Levert is a really good, talented player. I'm not sure he's a star. So I throw this to you, Carver High. The Nets, how much of a threat is Brooklyn to Milwaukee getting to an NBA, at least a final, not necessarily the championship, but getting to the finals? If Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving plays nice, I think the Nets will beat the Bucks in a seven-game series. I honestly do. I, but those are a lot of unknowns. I think it's the biggest wild card possibly, Keith, going into this whole NBA season. What are the Brooklyn Nets? Is Durant Kevin Durant from two, three, four years ago? Is Kyrie not going to, quote-unquote, cause trouble or play nice? I love the outside pieces. Like, I don't think they need to give up all of these pieces to go get James Harden. Like, I think they should keep Levert. They should keep Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, all, Jared Allen. All these guys that they have, I think, are a nice fit with the two superstar players. I don't trust the Bucks in any spot, Keith. They've now entered the territory for me where until I see them do it, I don't trust them. I don't want to hear about the regular season, 65 wins. They can win 75 games. I don't care. Until I see them get to an NBA final, Keith, I don't believe in the Bucks. So if the Nets can yeah, show Car up and play, they could beat them. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. And I thought you did a great breakdown of the Nets there, too, because besides the Lakers, assuming, again, that Kyrie and Durant are both healthy and play well together, I think they are the deepest team in the NBA, not named the LA Lakers. Another team that's kind of deep is the Boston Celtics. And I know they fell a little bit short last year. If we can assume, and a lot of assumptions, and this is what you do on, what, November 24th, before you're, you're a month away from the NBA season, if we can assume that Kemba Walker can be at least close to an NBA All-Star again, doesn't need to be an actual All-Star, but close to an NBA All-Star. And with the growth of Marcus Smart this past year, him actually becoming a real three-point shooter, not just a guy that plays defense. Jalen Brown, I thought he took a, a step forward. He could be a 20-point scorer. Jason Tatum, 
had his name start getting mentioned in the superstar, uh, you know, orbit at least. I think he's a star. I don't know if he's a superstar. And then Tristan Thompson and Teague and Neesmith was a good uh, draft addition. I like the kid Peyton Pritchard. I think the Celtics are deep. I'm with you. They're deep. I was a little disappointed last year in Kemba Walker, Keith. You know, I thought him leaving Charlotte would, like, unlock him to superstar potential in the NBA. Like, I thought he just needed to get out of that place. And going to Boston, close to where he, obviously, where he started, Connecticut, I thought that would be a huge move for him. And he didn't play bad, but I don't think he played great either. So I think they need a little bit more from Kemba, considering what they're expecting of him and what they pay him. Tatum is becoming a superstar in the league. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's right there. Like he is becoming that guy. Smart is better. They are deep. I like this team a lot. And uh, I think that they could also in the right situation. Yes. Beat the bucks in the playoffs. The heat, the Raptors and the Sixers are the next three on my list. Let's go Miami. They bring back Dragic, uh, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler, bam. And hero. I don't think they're as deep. I don't love them. I think they caught lightning in a bottle last year. Uh, Lowry Van Vliet back with Toronto, like that. Ananobi, Siakam bringing Baines in. I like that. The Sixers are the sneaky one because Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have had their issues, but now they have some shooters around them and Danny Green and Seth Curry and even Shake Milton maybe taking a step forward. Yeah, I think the Sixers are a real wild card. Especially now Doc running the show, you know, having having Doc Rivers being uh, the coach now. Sixers are intriguing. I'd like to see what he does with Embiid and with Simmons and how he's going to utilize them because it has not worked the last few years, no doubt about that. And uh, the Heat, like I told you, was with the Nuggets. A little bit of a product of the bubble for me. Don't know if they would have won those big games on the road. So uh, they're right there. Raptors are scary, but they've lost too many pieces. I know they got Van Vliet back. But no Ibaka now, no Kawhi. I think the Raptors we saw two years ago. It's going to be a little while before they get back. I know that we are in the middle of NFL season, but this has been a lot of fun breaking down NBA. I love to get the opportunity to look ahead towards the NBA. There may be some future Hall of Famers that we have to discuss. Some obvious names, maybe some outsiders. Coming up next, Coast to Coast, I am Keith Rosari. The early line. How far can these Saints go this version of this offense? Because honestly, like Drew Brees has 11 broken ribs. What do you think about this yeah. Taysom Hill led Saints team? Boy, I think he stinks. Have I ever been uh, less impressed than 18 to 23? I couldn't care less. I felt like every time I saw him, it was Ben DiNucci all over again. They are sure. much better off with Jamison quarterback. The Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back here coast to coast, Keith Irizarry with you, winding down the day. First year of eligibility for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, class of 2021. The headliners, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, and Calvin Johnson. Manning and Woodson, they will clearly be in. The question mark is going to be Calvin, Calvin Johnson and how he's viewed, right? Because Megatron was a man amongst boys. And in his, you know, nine and a half, 10-year career, he finds himself 31st in receiving yardage. And when you look ahead of him, 
I mean, everyone is going to be a Hall of Famer or is a Hall of Famer. Like Names like Rice and Fitzgerald will be there, Owens, Moss, Bruce, Gonzalez. Steve Smith's not there yet. I don't know if he'll get there. Marvin Harrison there, James Lofton there, mm-hmm. Carter. You know, all right, so Carver High, how do you view Calvin Johnson? Because, like, we've seen Jim Brown go in with a 10-year career, but he was literally the best running back at the time. We've seen Barry Sanders, who was the most electric running back maybe we've ever seen. I kind of view Calvin Johnson similar to Barry Sanders. I know I don't want to draw the, the Lions comparison, but the fact that Calvin Johnson, what he did in his short stint in the NFL was, was almost unparalleled. No, I, I'm with you, and I'm an extremely hard grader when it comes to Hall of Fames. In fact, I think most of them have been ruined. I think most of them are now the Hall of Very Goods. I think that they've put too many players in who are not the best of the best of the best. In fact, you brought up Barry Sanders. I got no problem with Barry. Terrell Davis is is one for me where, like, Terrell Davis played for a couple years. And because if you're going to put somebody like Terrell Davis in, then I'm sorry, Keith, Calvin Johnson has to go in the Hall of Fame. You put him in, uh, I know he had the Super Bowls, so that helped him a lot too on the running back side. But... You look at the dominance over that short period of time, you probably got to put them in compared to other guys that are in already. We got to start the campaign. Megatron first ballot. Let's make it happen. For everybody here at Coast to Coast, I am Keith Arizari. Remember, if you can't trust me, how can you trust yourself? We wind things down tomorrow since you're up for Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day, everybody. Turn it up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.